It's our headline segment here on Metro FM Talk. And of course, the big story certainly of the day earlier on today coming out of the Gauteng High Court uh, in the matter there uh, uh, between uh, President or former President Jacob Zuma and uh, President Sir Ramaphosa. Now, the court today granting President Ramaphosa an interdict to halt the private prosecution brought by former President Jacob Zuma. And uh, another date will be handed down for the second part of this particular matter. And uh, this, uh, of course, is... um, Uh, on the back of accusations uh, by uh, former President Zuma accusing uh, the incumbent of being an accessory after the fact for failing to act against state prosecutor advocate Billy Downer SC and journalist Karen Morn for allegedly leaking his medical records. Kani Mapanga has been following this one, SABC News journalist, and uh, joins us uh, tonight on the line. Kani, good evening, welcome. Hi, Kani. Hi, Aya, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you clearly. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. So, Kenny, just for the benefit of some of our listeners who might not be familiar with the backstory here um, mm. and how this particular, I guess, uh, application had been brought before the courts, um, it's quite clear, of course, this matters around this whole issue of the president being an accessory after the fact. Uh, but yes. this was, uh, I guess, an interdict by the president uh, to say uh, this private prosecution must not continue. Give us some background there. Well, I think it's important to understand the foundations of this case. So we're looking at a common theme here, which is the alleged disclosure of the former president's health records. Mm. He's come up with three categories uh, for his private prosecution bid. That's the alleged perpetrator, the alleged accomplice, and then there's the third category, which is the accessory after the fact. So an alleged accessory after the alleged crime or offense that was committed. That is the basis upon which he's trying to privately prosecute uh, President Ramaphosa. So when he obtained those money prosecutor certificates, of course, the first one was in the name of the senior prosecutor. The second one almost broadened the scope uh, with respect to the names that were in the docket. And the former president is alleging that the docket included the name of President Ramaphosa. And it was on that basis that they launched that application was day before the conference was expected to sit last year. Mm, mm. And, and I guess, you know, all of this happens in the drama and the intrigue, I guess, of the politics of the governing party and this injunction to step aside if one, mm. uh, I guess, has either been charged, convicted, um, you know, depending on who you speak to, it's uh, either mm. or, or both. Um, I mean, talk to us about the implication of that, because it does seem uh, that uh, the court um, took a position on a few things. One is, I guess, the uh, implications on the liberty of the president. Of course, then the question around uh, not just the president as a person or the person of Cyril Ramaphosa, but the role, um, I guess, in the democratic order of that of that uh, a seat or position. Um, I mean, what did the court find, certainly about, uh, I guess, uh, firstly, the urgency of this matter, and um, in addition, I guess, in its finding on whether or not an interdict should be granted uh, to uh, the person who applied for it here, uh, which is President Ramaphosa. Well, the politics you speak of, Aya, and the inferences that were drawn around the timing of the launch of that private prosecution, but it's something that this court did not entertain. Uh, to be given that interim interdict, you have to satisfy a number of requirements the president's main contention that is that he would be hauled before a criminal court 
uh, for proceedings based on summons on certificates that were issued that did had nothing to do with the president at the time. Mm. So we look at some of the findings of the judgment, and they are discussing the right to personal freedom, the material harm that would be suffered. You may remember that the advocate done both on behalf of the former president argued that it was just a simple appearance, that it would be a postponement, it would pass by, there would be no harm that would be suffered. The court found that this contention by uh, Advocate Bofu actually misses the point of the president's argument, uh, arguing that the harm does not lie in the temporary inconvenience of physically attending a hearing, mm. but only for a formal postponement, but rather his constitutional right to freedom and other rights that he's afforded, not only as a head of state, but as an individual. Um, of course, you may remember when those summons were um, served on the president the day before the conference, there was an exchange between the two parties being the state attorney as well as the former president's legal team, asking the former president to withdraw um, this what they described as a frivolous matter. The former president remained unflinching in his approach, so one can understand that at that point, there was no other viable alternative other than to go to the urgent court to seek this interim interdict. So in that basis, he did satisfy majority of those requirements that are needed to get that interim interdict pending the um, outcomes of Part B of that application. And and what is Part B of that application? We heard a lot of that being said last week, um, I yeah. guess, uh, from some of the judges in response to uh, uh, Advocate uh, Dalimpo for FC, uh, SC. So Part B really deals with the meat of the application. Mm. It's the summons, how those summons were obtained, the Nali prosecute certificates, who they apply to. It's really the true merits of the case, and we'll get an understanding of how we understand how the first uh, certificate was issued. But with respect to the two other persons that the uh, former president was trying to prosecute, there's still a bit of confusion regarding that uh, second certificate and who it applies to. The National Prosecuting Authority has already come out to echo similar sentiments as the president to say that when those certificates were issued, um, the president's name was not in the docket and they were not aware that this matter was relating to the president as well. Mm, mm. And and then I guess for for the legal team of former mm. President Jacob Zuma, um, where to from here? I mean, a lot of people, I guess, have made quite the meal about uh, this being um, a victory for the other side. But uh, mm. just judging from what you've said about Part B of the application, that um, it seems, uh, you know, the horse race hasn't really started yet. Yeah, we're only at Part A. I mean, it's just the victory for the first round. They still have to go and convince um, the same court that those summons that were issued are constitutionally flawed. So as we understand, the former president and the legal team are still studying the judgment, but the interim mm-hmm. interdict still stands, meaning that on Thursday, the uh, president, the current president, doesn't have to appear before a criminal court. He's given the space and the time to go and argue regarding the summons and get the relief that is sought. Uh, should he be successful, I think we can put this matter to bed unless the uh, former president tries a different route or tries to obtain those certificates in a manner that maybe the court can find is constitutionally valid. But as of now, the president has the freedom to fully challenge uh, these summons and how they were obtained. And I think Part B will give us a better understanding uh, behind this, what, this, what it means to be an accessory after the fact. 
Tell me now, I mean, last week a big part of the discussion had been around, I guess, the type of tests um, that one would have to sort of overcome in order to have the ability or standing to make the case in a private prosecution. To what degree, I guess, did the judgment earlier on today cover some of those areas? Well, in order for a private prosecution to continue, I, uh, you need the authorization of the NPA. Mm. As I stated earlier, the um, High Court, the full bench um, of three quite senior judges, refused to go into the merits of the matter. But the process you follow is a particular process that must be followed in order for it to be constitution- constitutionally valid. Sorry. So when we're speaking of this matter with uh, regarding this theme of the alleged disclosure of the health records, there seems to be one uh, category where there was a Mali prosecutor certificate issued, and it's clear that it was issued in the name of a particular individual. Mm. But with the remaining categories, there's still a lot of loopholes and a lot in the air regarding how those certificates were obtained and how they were authorized or not authorized by the NPA. So essentially, the president has a right to say um, this certificate that um, they're speaking of, the second certificate they're speaking of, does not refer to me. And on that basis, I cannot be expected to go to a criminal court and appear in proceedings where it hasn't been authorized constitutionally and legally by the National Prosecuting Authority. And in a sense, I mean, so, so is that where the debate of the president himself as a person or, you know, the, I guess the president as a sort of position, or I, I, I don't know if I should call it a juristic person, uh, yes. uh, emerged from last week? Well, it emerged from the fact that the uh, president bought the application as the president of the republic. Uh, Advocate Danny Boff, on behalf of the former president, argued that when he would be criminally charged, it would be as an individual. Mm. But when I discuss this, uh, this is where the confusion comes in, uh, because when you look at the request, made by the former president uh, regarding this alleged breach or contravention of the NPA Act, he wrote to President Ramaphosa in his capacity as head of state. Mm. The powers that he wanted him to invoke in this matter, investigate, set up a commission of inquiry into the alleged conduct of a senior prosecutor essentially trying to protect the uh, National Prosecuting Authority from a significant risk and by extension the criminal justice system as a whole. The president would not have enjoyed those powers as an individual. He could have mm. only um, anticipated or intervened in that manner as a head of state. So there's a lot of confusion regarding that because when you wrote to him seeking intervention, you didn't write to him as the as Sirian of course, you wrote to him as the head of state, saying that there was a risk, that there was a breach in the NPA as an institution, and as a head of state, you need to set up a commission of inquiry or an investigation. Of course, uh, the intervention brought by the president, which is to refer the matter to the Minister of Justice, who will then um, refer the matter to the OBC. Of course, we understand that it didn't yield the preferred results for the former president, and that resulted in this uh, private prosecution bill being launched. To what degree does this outcome, uh, I guess, influence uh, the unfolding drama of the other private prosecution? Well, I think those are separate issues, Aya. Um, three different category, categories, one theme, but they're very much separate issues. Mm. Um, we understand that that matter that you're speaking of has already commenced in the Peter Matzberg High Court. 
um, they can obviously challenge uh, those summons as well. But that's very different from what has happened today with the head of state. He's actually been granted that relief and the space and the time to actually go and challenge what he's arguing was not constitutionally valid. And he can get a copy of his application. And if he's successful, he will never see the inside of that criminal court. Mm. And then, I mean, the, the Zuma Foundation came out uh, after mm. this, uh, you know, uh, finding, I guess, by a full bench here saying, mm. uh, and of course, these are the words of uh, one Mr. Mzwanelemani saying, yes. we're challenging the failure of the court to separate matters. The Gauteng Deputy Judge President, Roland Sutherland, mm. uh, must explain why it is that when it's a criminal court, they wear red robes, and when it's a civil case, they wear black robes. And why is that significant if a court is a court? And I assume that this is, uh, you know, them saying they had instituted a private criminal prosecution. And I guess mm-hmm. now feel that the court might be shifting this in a direction that is more civil. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Well, then my question would be, I, uh, in what capacity is the the foundation spokesperson speaking about? Because this was a civil application brought by the president to challenge the summons that were issued against him. Um, if he does not successfully challenge it, then the president will have to appear before a criminal court. Those are separate processes. Mm. And I think the uh, judiciary made that clear when it decided not to go into the merits of that case and only deal with the issues that fall in the jurisdiction of that court. So they dealt with the urgency and the relief sought in Part A. When you get to Part B of the application, that's dealing with summons and how those summons were obtained and if that uh, process is constitutionally valid. So I'm, I'm failing to understand that point. I, maybe you could uh, help me there. No, I mean, I'm battling myself, Kenny, and that's mm. why I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around how the main area of divergence for the foundation and area of concern would be around mm. whether or not this is heard in a civil or a criminal court. Um, mm. and, and it seems, I guess, sort of in the reports that we've seen coming out from Pudim uh, Zwanelemani uh, here that... Um, I mean, he goes on further. He says the facts don't support it. So clearly the lawyers will look into that. But as a non-lawyer, I think the judge has misdirected Mm. himself. We'll see how that happens. And the lawyers will advise accordingly. As I sit here, I think it's a travesty of justice. Um, And uh, I'm not sure what is a travesty. Um, Mm. What is the the misallocation in, in, you know, in so far as which court or uh, the fact of the issuing of the interdict, which is, I guess, what um, uh, the... um, legal team of Mr. Ramaphosa had been looking for? Mm, well, from my understanding, the urgent application could only be heard in the civil court. Um, I don't know if urgent applications could be brought to a criminal court. Mm. And essentially, the the president has a right to challenge uh, those summons. So he did so in the correct court. The court dealt with the merits um, that fall within its court. The actual needs of the application will be dealt with at a later stage. The private prosecution will be another separate matter on its own. So we're really dealing with the events leading up to the summons or the money prosecute certificates and how we ended up with three different categories and three different persons in the the courts having to be privately prosecuted by, by the former president. But with respect to the president, he felt that his rights were being infringed on. He used his um, space and time to go to the uh, urgent court, met the requirements uh, for an interim interdict, has been given that interdict pending his um, Part B application, 
And if he's successful, that's the end of the matter. If he's not, uh, we're all equal before the law. He'll have to appear before the criminal court and they can proceed with the private prosecution as they wish. Yeah, I guess only time will tell how this one unfolds. We're going to be following it quite closely. Kenny Mapanga, pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me.